We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, sadly, we are talking about an opening night loss to the Bucks, 104-127. Nets didn't bring the juice, but how are we feeling, Jack? Patty Mills played well. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Patty Mills balled out. KD did his thing. Not much else from there. We're going to jump to that and plenty more. But as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do you want to start with this? I don't know where to start, Nick. Uh, I think that from early on, you could tell the Nets were outscored most quarter, in fact, every quarter except for that second quarter where they went on a, a little mini run. And it just seemed to me that there was, when things went well, they stopped being well or they were changed where new lineups were thrown out there. which was just like, this thing's kind of working. Why don't keep playing that? Keep playing Patty instead of Joe or you know, keep playing, going a bit smaller um, and, and keep playing Blake. You know, Blake seemed to be, you know, pretty solid as our probably our best big man tonight. Uh, I, I don't know. There was just a, a weird vibe to, to tonight's game, Nick. And, you know, other than, like you mentioned, Kevin Durant and Patty Mills, not a lot of positive performances across the board. It's it just, and I think, like, even Kevin Durant, you could make the argument, you're missing three of his six three throw, free throws. Um, he wasn't necessarily his near-perfect self either. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I think there was just a lack of rhythm and flow to the Nets early on. Like you mentioned, maybe it was the substitutions, the style of play. The Bucks give them credit. They played with great energy to start this one and just played the right type of basketball. But the Nets just weren't super locked in. And we were kind of talking before we hopped on. There was just a lot of different lineup combinations that I personally didn't anticipate seeing so much this early in the season. Just a lot of two bigs. Even the starting lineup of Blake and Claxton to start the game. Like, that was a surprise to me. Then off the bench, we have Millsap and Marcus Aldridge. Then we see Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge. It was just like a lot of bigs and a lot of slow basketball defensively. Yeah, really wasn't engaged on on that end of the floor. A uh, heap of sloppy plays, poor rebounding. You could sort of see from early on when 
you know, Giannis got those, what was it, four like offensive boards? Four offensive boards, yeah. Yeah, in one possession against the Nets, quote-unquote, big lineup. You knew that things weren't going great. And again, tonight, Kevin Durant led the team in rebounding, and James Harden was second with eight. Despite the fact that the Nets have 84 million centers on the roster, neither of them can jump, or Clax can jump, but he can't jump while also maintaining a box out at the same time. So uh, that was a massive issue tonight, Nick, and, and the turnovers were just sloppy as a sloppy Joe from the old school cafeteria. Yeah, I mean... I think given this Nets team and the roster, we always knew gang rebounding was going to have to be a thing because nobody on this team is necessarily an elite rebounder. So there was maybe a couple stretches where we saw guys kind of attack that basketball. But too many times we saw guys kind of sitting at the elbow, sitting at the three-point line, just almost waiting for the ball to kind of come to them. And against a team like the Bucks, especially against a player like Giannis, who really didn't shoot amazingly in this game, like there was plenty of opportunities to grab rebounds. And obviously the, the overall rebounding battle wasn't like terrible, but the offensive boards for the Bucks having 13, and it felt like you said, Jack, a lot of them early on, and it just really kind of set the tone for them. Yeah, third into the Nets five. You know, defensive rebounding not as bad for for the Nets, but I think that, that was probably a lot of second half stuff where they started yeah. to lock in. It's it helps when the Bucks shoot 105 shots and the Nets only shoot 84. Literally just about to bring that up because the Nets 53.1% uh, from three on 32 shots, 44% from the field overall. They missed 10 free throws as well, despite getting to the line five times more. And they're probably going to cut there a couple extra times because that block by Jordan Nawara and a couple of other fouls on Patty Mills, I don't necessarily think that they were, you know, like we sort of said about the the referees in, their, in the preseason, they're certainly uh, feeling their way uh, as well. So, you, last year we saw the Nets get away with it because you had the extra guy in Kyrie Irving and you know you, you had him Harden and, and KD shooting what 60% from the field and 40% from three and not missing free throws then yeah you're going to be fine uh, if you take 20 less shots but tonight it's just not going to cut the muscle because that we had James Hunt I still think was good he wasn't amazing I think he's still getting his conditioning right as is clacks for that matter so you, against the, the reigning champs, you can't have two good players. And even Kevin Durant wasn't at his best. You know, if we're giving it an out of 10, I'd say it's a seven and a half performance from Kevin Durant. You know, the only guy who's in that eight, nine territory is Paddy Mills. Yeah, I would say Patty Mills, you'd give him a 9 for this game. I'd give KD probably, like you said, Jack, a 7.5. And I even think if Kyrie was healthy, still giving up 21 more shots is just kind of excessive. You know what I mean? If it's 10, if it's 12, you can kind of get away with it. But against a really good team in the Bucks, like we're talking about the Nets' top competition. You know, them and the Lakers is really the main obstacle in terms of winning a championship. So you're going to have to play better. You're going to have to make less mistakes offensively, defensively. Like you said, a lot of turnovers and then defensively, a lot of miscommunication. Communications. I think some of that's just new players and not necessarily having a feel maybe for the switching scheme or just what X or Y player is going to do in a certain situation. And that led to some really easy baskets for the Bucks. So obviously you want to gauge yourself, but at the end of the day, it's still only one game with a relatively new team. Yeah, exactly. And look, 13 turnovers to eight. It's not a massive discrepancy. Like in seasons past, we've talked about 18, 19, and sometimes in the 20s when it comes to some of those young Nets teams. But the real standout from that is that the Bucks scored 22 points from the Nets turnovers to the Nets two. That's yeah. 20 points right there, and the Nets lose by 23. So if the Nets either take care of the ball better or they're not live ball turnovers or Christ gets back in transition off one of his turnovers, uh, it's just... The tone wasn't there. The engagement wasn't there. 
Um, obviously, game one, uh, it's Bucks, it's Rings night for, for the Bucks. So they're going to be fired up in their home crowd. But I still think the Nets had a, had enough in them and, and had enough little mini runs to actually, you know, just keep the things going. But then things just went off the rails or the, the Bucks, uh, a turnover just messed things up and weren't able to get back in transition. I know you made a point of the transition defense on, on your Twitter page as well, Nick. So some pretty clear discernible factors. I guess in pointing out, I guess, the uh, 21 less shots, the points off turnovers, the, re- the offensive rebounding, do you think those things are correctable, Nick? And going against a Bucks side, uh, sorry, going up against a Sixers side in the next matchup who has similar qualities to their physicality, their size um, that the Bucks do, are you worried at all? Yeah, I think obviously it's still going to be game two, so I don't necessarily anticipate much changing. I think the Bucks are definitely a tier two higher in terms of just a team compared to the Sixers. But I think some of the stuff is correctable. I think offensive rebounding could be a problem moving forward. You know, obviously just looking at the roster, that was always kind of a concern. We hope that the bigs would kind of slow that down, but we'll have to see. It still needs to be kind of a gang rebounding thing. Transition defense, that's correctable. That's just energy and effort. And like I said, and you mentioned, Jack, that was just something that wasn't good tonight. I think defense of communications that's something that could easily be cleaned up thinking too many times there was just really easy buckets you know be it layups be it just wide open shots and that's just the type of thing that can't happen the nets don't have to play elite defense during the regular season but they still have to be somewhat solid and at least make the team earn you know decent looks you know what i mean so i think just overall some of it's just like game one rust and some of it's just going to kind of fix itself as the season progresses and then let's take the games more serious like you said bucks ring ceremony they're hyped up they're playing really really hard brooklyn it's almost like they treated like a preseason game early on you saw during stretches they turned up the heat but they couldn't really consistently keep it yeah i think that the nets coaching staff steve nash monitored like that because yeah there was a little bit too much wacky rotations and over experimentation with the rotations and Sort of like no leash for Paul Millsap five minutes. Uh, like um, I get that he he wasn't great out there. He did have three boards. He he was statistically better than James Johnson in his time out there on the floor. So I don't understand what was going on there. Whether whether there was some sort of lingering injury issue, there was muscle cramps or whatever it might be, and no Bruce Brown in a lot of correctable in a lot of the issues that we have discussed Nick in terms of rebounding. Bruce Brown might be the best rebounder, whether it's at the guard position or the big position, that we have. Like, he's literally, in terms of offensive boards, in terms of tenacity, and in terms of, like, defense, you know, him last season, Matt Brooks had, um, he, he hyped up his tweet in the postseason that he brought back. In the postseason, Bruce Brown had held Chris Middleton to 13 of 41 uh, just um, just over 31% field goal percentage uh, during uh, the postseason last year, the lowest field goal percentage he shot uh, in any playoff series. We didn't see him at all. Uh, and look, I get giving Javon Carter a, a bit of a go, uh, but he wasn't really giving you anything offensively. So it's like, I, I didn't really understand it. it it's, just, it's weird deja vu from last year, Nick, because... And we also saw what Bruce Brown did in last year's Milwaukee Bucks series. Yes, he wasn't perfect, but there were nights where he went on like 10-0 runs. Yes, he also took a, a, an ill-advised you know, layup attempt, floater attempt or whatever at the end of a game. But I, uh, I'm a bit perplexed with what Steve Nash did tonight, Nick. Yeah, I thought the lineups were very interesting. Just like I mentioned earlier, just a lot of two bigs, and that's something that we didn't necessarily see from the Nets 
consistently a lot last season. So it's almost like changing your style of play offensively and defensively. And I thought it was kind of strange that Bruce Brown wasn't on the floor at all. Like just get, obviously we saw him in garbage time, but during meaningful minutes, not to see him out there, a guy who played, I think, what was it? 50 minutes in game seven or something along those lines. Like he's a guy that you obviously depended on and brings that type of energy and effort. And like you said, you know, I don't know if he's the best rebounder on the team, but he's someone that you can definitely count on to consistently bring energy on that on that side of the game. You know what I mean? Who, you, he's who's gonna, a better rebounder than me? Like, uh, I mean, probably Kevin Durant's probably I mean, the best I think rebounder. just being a bigger player makes it easier to rebound. You know this. But you we didn't see him rebound today. No, That's the thing. Saying, like, in, in, like, in a nutshell, like, you know, just having more size and weight, you're just going to be able to move people. Like, Bruce Brown does it because of energy and effort and, like, fighting through the play. But if Giannis is there and he's fighting with Bruce Brown, like, Bruce Brown doesn't really have a shot in that situation, I think. But he can still help in that area with the gang rebounding. You see Joe Harris do it. You see the Bruce Brown do it. They kind of come down. And then in a situation where Clax is kind of semi-boxing out Giannis, maybe Bruce Brown comes in and swoops in. In my opinion, it was just like a lot of guys weren't locked in on the end of the floor, and they were counting on two guys to kind of compete against Giannis when Giannis is a freak. Like, that's one of his greatest skills is that he's a freak athlete, and he has a ton of length, and he can get his hands on everything. And the times that we saw the Nets actually get the defensive board with Giannis attacking the rim would be when they did it as a team. No, yeah, I mean, team rebounding is, is uh, I guess, a, a thing. But maybe, you know, I, I'd need to redact some of the takes that I had on, on that big man preview and the defense because – <laughs> I get, Sapp could have helped in that area, Jack. I think that's I something that you brought up during preseason. And I thought it was – I honestly – I'm just like – throwing shots out there i would be interested if we like flipped this entire game and we saw paul Millsap get all of the marcus aldridge's minutes what was more egregious uh, the five minutes for paul Millsap or the no minutes for bruce brown it's i no guess minutes both- for bruce brown for sure okay okay why i think paul Millsap because he's a new piece and you could be like you know we're going with clax and blake tonight and he kind of does some things similar to blake maybe you don't want to play him but bruce brown's a guy that helped this team win a lot of games last season. And like you mentioned, the stat from Matt, uh, he did a great job on Chris Middleton. And also just a guy that can bring that spark and energy and juice in which it felt like this team really needed at different points. And he can do, he can just make plays out there. Like obviously he's not an elite scorer or anything like that, but he just has like a knack for getting a steal and a layup, grabbing that loose ball, you know, making the cut at the right time. And I think they could have used Bruce Brown tonight a lot more than what we saw. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it, It was you know, disappointing in, in, in a lot of respects. Uh, I just think that, you know, there was some some things that were correctable. I don't know if it, it's a 23-point correctable issue, and I don't think Bruce Brown and Paul Millsap solve all that. But we did see, like I mentioned in the preseason, Paul Millsap rebounded the ball well, including offensive boards. He had three boards in five minutes when he was out there on the floor. I think it would have been a much better option than LaMarcus Aldridge. I don't understand why LMA Especially was getting... Especially when you're switching LaMarcus Aldridge. That was just in, idiotic. I, I don't understand, like, just some of the schemes. And, again, one game, we're, we're going to be over and, and a bit irrational because, you know, we do these right after the games so are a bit heated, a bit emotional. But there's just some correctable things. And, you know, I think Nick Claxton and Paul Millsap, in that game against Minnesota, were good. So why, went, why did we see those minutes for ex- extended periods? I do think Blake... Um, was probably was decent enough. I don't think his box score reflects that, but I thought him defensively, he was the Nets' best big tonight, um, and and that's saying something because Blake Griffin is not a defender by um, by trade. You know, Nick Claxton should be doing those things, and you know we obviously saw his hands were weren't sticky whatsoever. Um, 
So I think that there's a level of frustration there, Nick, because some things could have been correctable. But if we do see those things continue to be an issue come game 10, 20, then, you know, I've got a lot of hair on this head, um, but I'll be pulling a lot of it out if by that time um, we, we don't see some changes. But, you know, I don't game think we're one... going to necessarily see set rotations for a while. I think, like, just based off of seeing this game, and this I might be completely wrong, but just given the fact that Steve Nash really didn't know where to go or what, what to go to, and he just wants to see how some of these weird combinations are going to work, like, that just makes me think that he's not really committed to anything. I think we know a couple things already in terms of lineups that will work, and I think he wants to see what other possible combinations will work, and is this something he can go to, or is this just terrible? Like, I'd be surprised if he goes back to uh, Millsap and Marcus at any point this year just because it was that bad and it's that slow unless it's just like a perfect matchup for them yeah maybe it's galaxy brain thinking sort of go okay i'll give you guys all the reps that you want just to show you on the game tape hey we can't play you we're going to play paul Millsap in the next game we're going to play bruce brown in the next game uh, if, if this happens in a postseason series against the Bucks, then I'll be infuriated. But yeah. if this is a, there's a long it, time until then. <laughs> there's a long time until then, Nick. But you know, we we need to see it, and we we can only assess what is what has happened in front of us. And from the 48 minutes tonight, we saw too much Lamarcus Aldridge, not enough Bruce Brown. Uh, I found it a little bit insulting that Bruce Brown was thrown out there in junk time. He's better than that. You know, do, do, Steve Nash was saying all this BS last year about, you know, we're not going to do that to DeAndre Jordan. He's a vet. And it's just like, I, I, I found it a little bit distasteful, a little bit disrespectful. Probably I'm looking a bit too much into it, getting in my feels somewhat. But Bruce is better than that. Bruce should have been playing tonight. Um, it's it's uh, yeah. I don't want to. I, I don't want to get like explicit on the pod. So maybe you should uh, take me away from some of my rants. Change the topic. I don't know. Let's get to Patty Mills. I don't know if we want to. Yeah, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Talk Patty Mills. We can kind of go through our, our uh, game recap for each player. And obviously, I think Patty, like we talked about, had, you know, the best performance instantly kind of came in and brought a spark. 21 points, 7-11 from the field and 7 of 7 from 3. Just incredible stuff. Two rebounds, two assists, one steal, one block. Felt like he had about 200 deflections. Just very active. I really enjoyed watching Patty Mills and like he didn't play amazingly in preseason. We talked about that on the previous on the spaces, but today he just turned up the heat and he was locked in. It felt like he was kind of continuing on from the Olympics. 
Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of the Nets players on the roster could have used the same mentality engagement that Paddy showed because, you know, there was a block on a guy who was a, a foot taller than him in, in Brook Lopez, former Nets legend, and probably the pass of the night uh, to, to Nicholas Claxton yeah. with an absolute laser to him. Um, that was absolutely incredible done from Paddy Mills. So, look, his, a, a lot of his three-pointers were really timely as well. You know, as the lead was, you know, getting extended to 13, 15, 16, Paddy goes bang. And just the, the quickness and, and the, the rhythm, um, uh, just running actions with him and, and James Harden, he's going to be, he, he's solidifying his favoritism for, for sixth man of the year if he wasn't already that. Um, and it was a joy to watch him, one of the few bright sparks from tonight. Um, thankfully, there was at least that. And, and I can go to sleep, you know, at least with something uh, positive in my yeah, just something positive in my mind. And look, this is, uh, we sort of talked about, you know, in the spaces, in the preseason um, recaps about, you know, role players acclimating to, to what they can do. And Paddy Mills is just like, okay, the game's matter now. I'm just not going to miss from three. Um, yeah. And, you know, Joe Harris could could learn a thing or two about performing against some of the better teams. Uh, I, I thought that he, was, he wasn't horrible tonight, but he... He actually shot okay from three. It was three of five. So it wasn't really that was the issue. I think the real issue... We can, I, I don't want to talk about Joe yet. I want to continue on Patty Mills just for a second. Give him some more love because he was uh, obviously the bright spot. I want to say this. Obviously, seven of seven is amazing, but I was really impressed with a lot of the defensive energy, a lot of the rotations. You had a lot of guys being kind of, I don't want to say lazy or sending double teams. Patty Mills was covering up a lot of slack in that area. And then also I thought there was a couple of times where he was kind of creating the offense. You mentioned, you know, the great pass to Nick Claxton, but just doing his thing. And I'm really intrigued to see what his role is like, especially with Kyrie Irving being out. And you mentioned six man of the year. It felt like everybody's like Twitter prediction was Patty Mills, six man of the year. And they're all looking really smart right now, just given the amount of quality looks he was able to get tonight in comparison to what he was getting the last couple seasons in San Antonio. Yeah, and look, it's. I, I think that we we saw the whole array from Paddy Mills tonight. What we did, we what we didn't see in the preseason was the flamethrower threes, yeah. and he was. We I don't Barely care what you percentage tonight. <laughs> that was they they splashed and and he and I think that a lot of people don't realize Paddy Mills is like six one. Yeah. Like I'm taller than Paddy Mills. I'm six three, six four, and his ability to just get those shots off in, with incredible pace. And I think that that's something that the Nets really lacked tonight was just the the intensity that he showed and the engagement that he showed and the desire to be like, okay, we're still in this game. Come on, guys. Let's keep going. Let me hit this three. Let me get this three. Let me get out in transition. Let me block a goddamn seven-footer. A lot of guys could have used the mentality that Paddy Mills showed, and he's going to show that every goddamn night. Um, and, you know, 29 minutes from him, absolutely incredible performance. Um, I just wish that there were a, a few more that contributed the way that Paddy did tonight. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Jack. That just the flow, the energy, and just like the vibes he brought to the floor, wish it was a little bit more contagious and guys kind of played with that urgency. He just came in and he was ready. I, one thing I love about his three-point shot, you mentioned it's just such a quick release. He's so ready to shoot when he catches the ball. Like his stand, he's just good to go, ready to pop up. So I'm I'm really excited to watch Patty Mills. Like obviously I podcasted with you all summer and you've been really excited about it. But now my excitement level, I think, is starting to catch up a little bit here. But moving on to your ex, uh, Joe Harris. We're going. <laughs> <laughs> we got nine points, three of nine from the field, three of five from three, uh, two rebounds, two assists, two turnovers. 
I think the problem with Joe is like it's not like an atrocious game in terms of his three point shooting, but he just like gets caught in this in between. He desperately needs a mid range jump shot because all he does is he just drives almost too close to the rim. Brooke Lopez is kind of sitting there, and then next thing you know, he's kind of forced into this in between shot that it doesn't look like he's comfortable taking, and then it just ends up being an empty possession or ends up being a turnover or something like that. And defensively. We know he's not going to be anything amazing. I think he's a guy that needs the defense to be really structured and the communication, the cues to be on point. If not, he's going to look really bad. So tonight was the night that he didn't look really good. Yeah, nine points, all threes for him. And like you said, you know, the, the three ball wasn't horrible. And, you know, if we had a couple of those threes in the postseason, you know, things could yeah. have been different. But in, in saying that, I think that he looked like, if you compare, I guess, to Patty Mills, and, and maybe it's unfair to, to do that, but these guys are primarily floor spaces in their roles for this team. Paddy just seems to have an instinctual nature to, to the way that he plays. He's just sort of going out there and just doing everything and not seeming to be in his head, whereas Joe looks like he's thinking through the game a little bit too much. I'll have a straight line drive here, and if a defender comes my way, if it's Brook Lopez, one of the best rim protectors in the league, then I'm just going to get blocked. Rather than stopping and propping and going, okay, I'll shoot a mid-ranger here, I'll stop here, I'll kick it out, and sort of just having a sense of flow of what the game is giving you. Um, and look, we don't necessarily need him to drive the ball you know, at, at a level the way that they do. And, and the Milwaukee Bucks are, are an incredible rim protecting um, and defensive team in that respect as well. So it, it's a bad matchup for him. It's always been a bad matchup for him. I still think overall... Especially when the Nets play big. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think... Then there's, then there's always a rim protector, in, and then he doesn't even have an opportunity to really drive. Like, if he's on a 1v1 situation against, you know, Grayson Allen going to the rim, I think he feels confident. But when you have Brooke Lopez lurking because, you know, they're not necessarily respecting someone's three-point shot, be it, you know, Nick Claxton or whoever it is, now it, it just really shuts down one of Joe's only other options other than the three-point shot. Yeah, I think that we a lot of the times when he was out there with Patty Mills is when they did look best and when he yep. did look best as well. So I think that just uh, I want to see small ball, you know, KD, James Johnson, Clax at the five or whatever, or just just Blake and with four shooters out there. I yep. think that we we spoke about in our in our lineup combination um, episode, you know, about the fact that the Nets should have done that a bit more tonight because their size was not impactful at all, whereas the Milwaukee Bucks it size was. Yeah, incredibly impactful. They are athletic. They're good rebounders. They're good rim protectors. They're good defenders. Whereas the Nets were big, but they did nothing with that bigness. I don't know if bigness is a word, but they didn't rebound. They didn't defend well. Um, so I think that Harris could have been, um, benefited from more spacing. And when there was that extra space and when you had Paddy Mills out there, that's when he hit a couple of his shots as well. So... Look, I think that, again, this wasn't the worst game from Joe. In fact, I think it was actually probably something better than we've seen him against the Milwaukee Bucks in yep. the past. And it was probably, you know, I don't know, four or five out of ten from him rather than like, you know, a one or two than what we've seen from him against some of these better, more athletic teams. So average game from Joe. Um, but, you know, it's it's something that he's going to continue to work on. And um, a, a nice article at CBS Sports from James Herbert. Um, yeah. Some really cool quotes from there. So go check that one out. Um, I'm sure Joe will be serviceable going forward. This is at least a, a semi-step forward uh, against some of these sort of more athletic big teams uh, and contending teams. It'll be interesting to see how he does against a team like Milwaukee. Uh, sorry, not Milwaukee. About, against Miami. Against the Sixers uh, coming up on Friday night, um, Eastern Standard Time in America. So, again, average, not bad, not great. Yeah, I'd say probably slightly below average. 
I think he's not like I mentioned the defense him playing better when things are really almost like perfect or just very understood. I think offensively when the offense is humming, that's when you see more open looks for guys. And Joe's a guy that is most successful when he's getting those wide open threes or at least semi open threes. And sometimes that's harder to come by. And obviously, you know, teams are really just going to try to run him off the line and force him to kind of put the ball on the floor and either attack the rim or take that mid range shot. And until he starts taking the mid range shot, if they have a big lurking, it's not really going to do much, but Jack, what do you want to talk about next? Um, should we go to Clax, Nick? Clax City? Yeah, let's go to Clax. Obviously, we got the surprise start tonight. Uh, 12 points, 24 minutes, 6 of 9 from the field, 0 of 3 from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 3 turnovers, 0 blocks, 0 steals. I don't want to say it was a completely terrible game from Clax because I think there were some good moments, but there were definitely moments in this game where maybe you understand why Steve Nash was reluctant to rely on a player like Claxton at this point in his career. Not to say that Clax can't develop perfectly into a great player, but there's definitely lapses in his game and weaknesses. Yeah, those moments were overshadowed by, like you said, the weaknesses, Nick. You know, there were a couple of, you know, pick and roll plays with James Harden, and it seemed to me that it's just like, my God, if you get some hands, you get those hands a little yeah. bit, then you are going to be Clint Capella, but you aren't right now. Um, he doesn't have the the offensive capabilities um, that he does have, but there were some moments, you know, getting in a, a couple of one plays. His free throw form looks awful. It, it doesn't look good at all. Um, looks I don't know if I. <laughs> I don't know if I jinxed him by putting out the art, the article dropped at Nets Republic today, um, which was pretty glowing on him. But again, the, a lot of the weaknesses that I did illustrate about his offensive capabilities were uh, were on show tonight. And I think he sort of alluded to his conditioning, wanting to get into the best shape of his career. He's not there yet. James Harden isn't there yet either. So maybe his 24 minutes does help him go, okay, I really got to get in shape here. You know, I'm going up against, you know, Giannis. I'm going up against Brooke. I'm going up against these big dudes. Um, and look, Middleton was 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 too good for him tonight. So while the, I, I appreciate that the level of experimentation early on, he gave a lot away. You know, the, the turnover, he didn't have any turnovers, but it felt like the, a lot of, his, his missed hands and such, which probably ended up being James Harden turnovers, um, were more of Clax's ones. Yeah, and- actually, you're right, Jack. I read that wrong. There is zero turnovers, but he definitely committed turnovers tonight, and, and even if the stat sheet doesn't reflect that. Yeah, and the, I think that the possession where uh, I touched on a little bit earlier where he he didn't get called for a foul or, or something like that, and he just was so slow to get back in transition. I'm not sure whether he was hurt at all but that's something that you you can't dwell on you just got to get back my guy um and for someone who should be providing that level of requisite energy consistently um we expect more from class because we have really high hopes and expectations from him and, and you know the box score doesn't reflect too poorly on him um in that respect i think it probably goes back to james harden and reflects on him worse but yeah i think that they're working at that connection i saw some people and like i remember it might have been matt brooks sort of saying that you know, Clax and James Harden is the new DJ and Spencer Dimwitty. I hope not. Um, but they worked it out pretty quickly. I think Clax, I don't know where where it goes from here, but he can be a capable player in in a lot of matchups. I just don't know if this Bucks this Bucks matchup is the right one for him. Yeah, I think he, you can throw him in like stints or runs out there, and I think you have to kind of have, you know, a set role for him. I think tonight they were just kind of like almost threw him to the wolves to an extent and just kind of were like, all right, we'll see what he can do against Giannis, what he can do against Brock, what he can do against Middleton. And like you said, I think even not even just the hands on the pick and roll stuff, it's like the timing is off. There was a couple times where Nick Claxton was one step 
too close to the rim or one step too far behind on a pass or whatever it is. So they need to work on that synergy. And obviously, I think that's something that James Harden wants. He wants to have that vertical spacer to run pick and roll. But the question becomes, is that just something that's utilized better with the second unit rather than the starters, given the amount of other talented players on the floor? Because like, no disrespect to Nick Claxton, obviously James Harden's one of the best pick and roll, you know, ball handlers in the league. But there's different sets where you're going to this, and it's consistently, you know, almost like a 50-50 ball. And you have Kevin Durant on the floor, you have Joe Harris on the floor. You know, maybe it would make more sense to generate looks for these guys that are just more proven offensive players. Obviously, oops and layups are easy things, but the Bucks did a pretty good job of shutting it down. Yeah, and in saying that, I, like we sort of touched on earlier about playing smaller and using, utilizing more of your offense and, and your perimeter shooting would have, I think, played into the Nets' hands a little bit more. And statistically, show, it's, just, it's statistically proven when James Hunt is out there on the floor with spaces, it's more impactful than when he's out there with a Clint Capella. Or, or with a, a rim I think if it is a Clint Capella or a Nick Claxton, it just has to be a really efficient one where the rest of the, the guys are out there and it's almost like a strict pick and roll. And now, like, for example, if the Nets were to run, like we talked about this the other day, Patty Mills, Joe Harris, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Nick Claxton, and now you have three elite floor spacers and now you can't send any help, that pick and roll pass becomes 10 times easier. You know what I mean? It's just like when the Bucks are able to help or any team's able to help and kind of send that extra man down there and kind of mess things up, that's where I feel like it gets a little bit dirtier too. No, yeah, it's, it's a totally fair point. So we'll see how it all pans out. I'm sure Clax will, will learn from... Um, from from this matchup, but it wasn't his best game. Hopefully, he can continue to improve, and and the only way is up for for Clack City in that respect as well. Nick, we can touch on James Harden, but I wanted to touch on a quote from him that I think um, is quite pertinent. I'm news. sure you're pro- you've probably seen it. Great news um, via basically every Nets beat reporter, but Cassidy Hubbard had the the quote in full, which I always do enjoy. Um, James Harden, when he was asked about not signing the extension, uh, obviously the deadline was last night at midnight. He said, I love it here. I feel at home. It's nothing to worry about. For me individually, I just want to focus on this year. Uh, He also said, I don't plan on leaving this organization. So uh, a vote of confidence in the Nets. uh, And he did it while wearing probably the coolest pair of sunglasses I've ever seen. (laughs) So that's always good. Obviously, not a great opening night performance, but we do get some good news. And it seems like James Harden's going to resign in the offseason, which I think a lot of us anticipated, especially after the KD extension and given how much more money James Harden could make signing it you know, in the offseason rather than the extension now. And, you know, I guess talking about his game, 20 points, 6 of 16 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3, 4 of 4 from the free throw line, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, 4 turnovers. Like you mentioned before, it wasn't a bad game from James Harden. It just wasn't like MVP, amazing, you know, all NBA type James Harden. I think like you kind of hinted at before, he can improve somewhat in his conditioning too. And he's also a guy that needs to get a feel for his teammates because he plays such a playmaking style of basketball sometimes. Yeah, I really because there was the, the step back was on. I, yeah. I really enjoyed seeing that. You know, I think his three point shooting in the preseason was wasn't great, um, but I think that we saw that step back looking looking pretty solid. Um, you know, obviously hitting all of his free throws. The, he was still throwing um, dimes. You know, the the awesome the highlight play of the night um, was obviously the the transition one where Blake got the lob pass off KD, I think, and James yep. Harden, which was absolutely awesome. Um, and that's where you sort of thought the momentum was going. But I also think that James Harden, it was uh, maybe maybe you can probably illuminate this a bit more to me, Nick. But you know, you, you mentioned the two the two blocks and the steal. I don't know if he was good defensively, if he was bad defensively, if it was a bipolar performance, and there was a bit of nuance in between that. 
But I thought there were moments from him tonight where I was just like, okay, James Harden's doing some stuff defensively. And it wasn't just all, oh, he's, he's the post defender that we all know. Um, uh, am I wrong? Where do you yeah, stand? Yeah, no, he had good moments defensively tonight. But I think this is always the issue from Harden where it's not consistent. Then there was other possessions where he wasn't making the right rotation or he wasn't showing enough effort or he was just kind of doing something that seemed like it wasn't, you know, the rules of the scheme just based off the reaction of the other players. Like, you know, there was one player where even KD looked at him like, bro, what are you doing? I think Brooke Lopez ended up getting a wide open dunk on that play. So it's just like the consistency. But I think you see the pop and the potential. And obviously, if you're not conditioned, you know, you're not going to put as much effort in defensively. Offensively, it's always going to be easier to play even if you are tired. So I think that's something James Harden needs to work towards. And obviously, during the postseason, we always anticipate him turning it up. But just during the regular season, he's just a really a mixed bag. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the whole James Harden thing and the extension stuff is we heard Sean Marks again sort of say, like, you know, he was confident of it, of it happening. Now, I, I don't know, something might have changed. Something clearly has changed because, as we've alluded to, when Sean Marks says things, he doesn't throw them out there for the sake of throwing them out there. He's not, I don't know, Neil or Shay. He doesn't just throw out shit for the sake of throwing it out there and just create a, a kerfuffle. He's pretty measured in what he says. So I, I guess something has changed, and I don't necessarily... Uh, maybe it's the, the monetary um, the motivations, and I totally get that because... All the superstars and all players in the NBA deserve to get paid the max amount of money that they can. And obviously, James can be the first $60 million player if he does, as if the Nets do sign him to the extension as we expect them to do in this offseason. But the fact that he did it in the first place, I guess is a little bit, not perplexing, it might be too strong a word, but something is, and maybe it's just maybe some advice from his agent, maybe it's this Kyrie situation, I don't know, but... Kevin Durant wouldn't sign his extension either. I don't think it, if, if at least one of Kyrie or James wouldn't be here alongside him long term. I, I think that that it's it's not something to uh, to analyze to the nth degree, but at least worth bringing up. Yeah, I think maybe it's even as something as simple as a miscommunication in terms of the difference in the money amount he can make from now and then. Or like you said, I think he did change agents over the summer, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So that would be another reason why. So. I never was super concerned about it. Like you said, you know, if Katie's here, one of those two guys is going to be here. It always felt like Harden was probably the safer one, just given the whole Kyrie situation, what's going on now. But Jack, I guess, how would you rate Harden's game one out of 10? Six and a half, six. Yep. Uh, I, think I think I'd go five and a half. You, you were a harsh, harsh man. Uh, you, you seem to be bringing out these ratings now. You're going a bit harsher on the team. And look, I, I've been pretty, if I was rating, rating the coaching performance of Steve Nash out of 10, and, I don't know if there's uh, enough negative numbers in the, the goddamn Roman numeral system um, to, to go hard at Steve Nash. But, yeah, I think... You could that, just put absent. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the TBA, TBC, TBD, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, yeah, I think that James Hunt will get better. Um, I still think that he had control of the game. Uh, I'm, by game 20, I'm hoping that, you know, his conditioning is on a little bit. Some people were, were questioning on of whether he's lost a step and whether he's not in that top five sort of status anymore. And he's dropped down a rung into the sort of Lillard, Paul George, those sort of guys in, in that sort of rung. I don't know. I'm not judging him off one game and uh, an off season where he had to recover from a hamstring injury and do his thing. But uh, James Harden will obviously learn from it. 31 minutes tonight for him as well. Um, so hopefully we see him play 35, get a nice little triple-double going. Uh, I think he's passing like 20 shots, 18 shots. I think the Nets will probably need more scoring until they start to really get the, uh, the offense in sync. 
Yeah, I think that it's it, it, you saw Hart back to when he first arrived, and, and him sort of being overly you know passive towards his teammates to get them involved. I think that that might happen a little bit, and I don't think it happened to to the greatest degree because he was taking he's taking the step back a little bit more. He still did take sixteen shots. You know, he is the floor general in this team. He's not you know the the heliocentric uh, version of James Harden that he was in Houston, where it's just like thirty five shots a night. 14 threes, all this sort of thing. There has to be a level of balance and in, in trying to get some of these teammates involved, especially when so many of them are offensively driven. You know, you, you want to get Lamarcus Aldridge's shots because, or else he's not really providing you value. You, you, you obviously get KD your shots. You want to get Paddy Mills his his threes. You want to get Joe Harris his threes. So, I think James Harden will be fine. Um, and going forward, I'm, I'm confident in his level of play. Um, but I think KD was a little bit better tonight. Yeah, I agree. I think KD was closer to like, you know, normal form. You know, there were still a couple plays where he wished he could have had back, but still, you know, 32 points, 52% from the field, 42% from three. You mentioned the missed free throws, 11 rebounds, four assists, two blocks, one turnover. You know, he had some good defensive possessions in there, probably a couple he'd want back. But overall, I thought he was good on that end of the floor, too. So KD just was Kevin Durant tonight. I think you could tell like he wanted to probably turn it up a little bit later in the game, but the, the team was kind of a little bit too far out of it. 25 shots, 13 to 25, and he easily probably could have went 16 to 25 and just layups that he really missed in this game. So happy with Katie's performance and he's trending in the right direction to, you know, possibly having an MVP season. Yeah, the one of the possessions that he missed, I don't know if he went to the free throw line, with that crossover was just lethal and he got so much separation on it and, and he just missed it. Um, the block on Jordan Nuara at the end of the yep. first or second quarter was just <laughs> pretty goddamn insane. Yep. Uh, that guy had a nice night and he's a pretty decent offensive player so to do that to a, a guy like him uh, I thought was really nice. Kevin Rat was our second best player so I think there's there's no debating that and, and I think that you know he we don't want the burden to be great as great upon him as it was last year in, in all respects. So I think that some of the other guys need to step up. The bigs need to rebound uh, a little bit more. And playing him at the three with Claxton with Griffin, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't have one less rebound by himself compared to those two together who had twelve. Um, I think that there needs to be a focus on the offensive end because if you just give him just a little bit of time, a little bit of space, he's going to hit it. He hit a shot in Pat Connaughton's face where Pat's just like. Dude, how do I stop you? And Katie's just like, I don't know, man. Like, I just, that's just my shot. Um, and and Pat I think that. literally jumped as high as he possibly could and tried to yeah. block the shot, and he still couldn't graze the ball. <laughs> it's, it's, as I said before, it's my favorite Kevin Durant shot. I said on the his individual season preview, just the, the pull up in transition three. It's just like, you can't stop it. No one in the NBA can, except for maybe Anthony Davis. And I don't think that he'll be able to stop it, to, to be fair either. So, Look, um, maybe I'll have to take back my uh, prediction of James Harden as MVP and, and go towards our other superstar, but uh, a, 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 a superstar performance from a, a player who probably could have played even better. And, and, and saying that, like we sort of said, the stats are reflective of a, a pretty efficient, pretty decent night out, uh, even with you know the, the, the misses and, and all of the uh, other stuff that, w- that went in between. Yeah, I mean, I'm really happy. I mean... KD's not the reason they lost the game. Easily could have won tonight with him playing at this level multiple times. You know, the rest of the team just stepped up like we talked about. Really, you know, KD played well. Patty Mills played well. James Harden wasn't too bad. Other than that, there wasn't a ton of other bright spots. You know, James Johnson didn't really do a ton out there defensively. I didn't think he was amazing. Offensively, he didn't provide much. 
Uh, LaMarcus, another guy, only gave you two points and defensively felt like a real liability just given all the switches that he ended up in. And I think kind of playing him and James Harden is going to be tough, especially if, you know, I think they'll move forward and play LaMarcus and drop and then Harden doesn't really get over screens. So like playing LaMarcus with some of these guys isn't going to work unless it's a lineup that's willing to go over screen so he can play that drop coverage. Yeah, maybe you have to have him coming off the bench and James Harden has to step in for a Patty Mills because I think LMA and, and Patty Mills have some decent chemistry. Yep. We saw that a little bit tonight. And, and, and Patty's, Patty's good really at going. Good at getting over screens. He at least puts in that extra effort. Yeah, and it's not even going over screens. It's being quick enough to sort of divert the screen yep. and go under it. And it's just like he doesn't lose a step or he can use his quickness um, to, to actually catch up to it. Um but, Nick, I guess before we sort of finish this one up, obviously Javon Carter, we don't really need to speak about him because he didn't really do too much tonight. Do you think that a, a simple solution to some of the Nets' problems tonight is play Bruce, play um, the Paul Millsap, and change the rotation somewhat? Or are the Nets just going to have to persevere with what they have right now, continue to play big, um, and, and sort of see what they can do against the Philadelphia 76ers? Because, look... Joel Embiid is uh, not going to be a nice matchup for any of the guys on the Nets roster right now. I don't think he is stoppable. Um, but at the same time, if the Nets play to their strengths, which I don't think they did tonight, yeah. then I think that's where you get the ascendancy. Play a bit of small ball. Millsap is a good three-point shooter. Yeah, Joel Embiid absolutely cooked him off the, the crossover in the in the preseason. But maybe you figure out a thing where you've got him and Clax on the floor and uh, you've got KD as well, and you've just got a really sort of big switchable front court. So... Dunno, um, what do you think, I guess, heading into to Friday night? Yeah, I think the easiest thing for this team to play better is just turn up the energy and the effort and just clean up a lot of the communication stuff and just kind of get try to get on the same page, play with some more urgency, play with some more flow. That should clean up a lot of things. And like you said, kind of play to your strengths instead of trying to adapt so much. Again, it's still early in the season, so I think Nash is experimenting a lot, try, wants to see what he has with this roster, what he has with his bigs, and what combinations can truly work on the floor. But I definitely want to see Bruce Brown against Philadelphia. I probably want to see Paul Millsap. But it's interesting, too, because you'd make an argument that maybe LaMarcus Aldridge is the biggest body, so you want to see what he can do against Joel Embiid. So... I'm not really sure. I know Bruce Brown needs to play. I know the energy and the effort level needs to be up and obviously the urgency and just like the focus in terms of being on the same page on so many different levels. And some of that too is just going to be early pains of the season with having new teammates. But the Nets have enough good players in this team and enough options where they can win any game even if they're not fully in sync. Yep, some teething issues, no doubt. But if we at least see a semblance of improvement from the team and the, the rotations, then that's just like, okay, well, at least it's just like we're not seeing no Bruce for, for game two. Because if Javon Carter isn't going to give you the, the three ball, then there's no point in playing him. You know, he was guarding full court, and I like that. And throw DeAndre Bembre out there as well. So I think that uh, we judge off the uh, individual games you know, because we recap basically all of them. So if the Nets can make adjustments, the team overall in terms of their mentality, their execution, you know, rebound the ball, take care of the ball, get out of transition defense a, a little bit better and get out of transition a little bit more yourself. Yeah, yeah I think that's where the Nets look good. I feel like the Nets were a little scared of Giannis tonight well, for good reason, but sometimes you just got to attack the guy and let him block the shots. Yeah, and, and, and look, that's where James Harden looks good as well with some of his um, outlet passes and some of his touchdown passes as well. So one game down, 0-1. Hopefully it's not 0-2 uh, come Friday night, but fingers and toes crossed. Yeah, 100%, Jack. Obviously, hopefully they turn it up, and it's going to be a long season. One game, not going to overreact to it. Obviously, the goals for this team are all in the postseason, and we're kind of building towards that as we progress. But always a pleasure, Jack. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms.